All right, let's talk about fees. I'm leaning, I'm outside leaning against my front door, hoping nobody opens it behind me because I wanted to sit outside. I'm in lockdown here in Melbourne, lockdown 4.0 for those of you who aren't keeping count. Um, And I wanted to pass on, I guess, uh, my thanks to somebody who sent me a message this morning, which started a conversation about how to set your fees. And when you're starting a business, it can be one of the scariest things is knowing where to pitch your fees, where to place your fees and, and thinking about all of the stuff that that triggers. Hello, Miles, you want to set your fees too, don't you? Yes, he does. He wants to set his fees and charge his worth. Um, the, the issue when you're opening your own practice is there's a whole lot of money baggage bullshit that gets buttons that get pressed when you are setting your fees for the first time. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, it's all about what am I worth, not just what am I worth in terms of my skills and my experience and my training, but do I feel worthy? Do I feel that I have permission to charge the same as my colleagues? I've told this story before and I'm very, very grateful um, to have been given this piece of business advice right at the beginning of my business journey. And that was from a senior colleague of mine who I very nervously told, in fact, she was my clinical supervisor. And I very nervously told her that I was going into private practice and she fixed me with her steely gaze. And I thought I, was, I thought she was going to growl at me like, how dare you? You're not ready. But instead she, she stared me down and said, don't you dare undercut me and it really took me by surprise because until she said those words I had assumed that I couldn't charge the same as her I actually had this thing going on in my head that well she's been around longer than I have therefore I must you know I have to charge less than her she spun that around and got me thinking about things like industry standards and the standing of the profession and what my fees do to my colleagues, all of these things, just with one single statement, don't you dare undercut me. Can I just interject and say there has been no traffic, no traffic at all until I start doing a live stream, so I apologise for the cars. Now, when I stopped to think about what she said, And when I start to contemplate what that means in terms of industry standards, there's then some layers to that that I can share. So when we think about our profession, the profession that you're in, if you look to your governing industry body, for me it's the Australian Psychological Society, most governing bodies will give you some guidance around recommended fees. Now, the Australian Psychological Society's recommended fee for an individual session of up to 50 minutes is $260. Now, going way back when I first started in private practice, there were no Medicare rebates for psychology. It was just the fee was the fee. And if people were lucky enough to have a private health insurance policy that gave them something back for psychology and not many did otherwise they just paid the fee um not many people were charging the APS rates um and I remember at the when I first started in private practice I had a little sign on the desk that said if you pay on the day this is my fee ridiculously cheap I can't remember what it was back compared to to what what fees are these days um 
if I have to draw an invoice for you for later payment, then the fee is the APS rates. And for me, that, that made sense because why would I charge an insurance body or a lawyer or somebody else the APS standard rate and somebody else a cheaper rate? Like what was my justification for charging more to those other people? So I took the idea that if I'm charging my industry standard for industry standard work, and then there is a discount applied if people are paying on the day, which saves me a whole lot of administrative work. So that was how I justified that in my head. Now, going forward, leap forward to now, fees obviously are um, a big issue. A lot of people are very influenced by what's going on with COVID. Um, obviously, we're in lockdown here in Melbourne. But I'm also seeing the demand through the roof. And so there's a lot of pressure on um, private practitioners in my set, in the health settings to figure out how do we how do we charge accordingly and charge appropriately but also also address our core values and as helping professionals you can understand then the clash the inner turmoil that we experience with that clash between being a business owner and a helping professional uh lockdown we're in lockdown Gosh. Anyway, so what happens often is um, people want to help others. Of course they do. Um, but I think it's really important to use the philosophy of not setting yourself on fire to keep others warm. So you need to set your fees at a rate that's going to sustain your business with the demand that we're seeing come through the roof at the moment. That means people are now hiring admin support. They're hiring additional clinicians to help their clients. They're, they're incurring a lot more business costs than they might otherwise have done pre-COVID. It might have been just them working from their, from their own little space by themselves. So things are changing in the, in the um, profession and people aren't necessarily keeping pace with those changes with their fees. So they're now feeling the double squeeze of demand for services plus increased running costs. So how do you put your fees up in a pandemic people feel guilty about doing that and I it breaks my heart when I see clients of mine in particular who have put their fees up and then they've had people accuse them of money grubbing and all of these horrible things now the truth of the matter is it's a lot more work a lot more pain a lot more difficult conversations to put your fee up than it is to start as you mean to finish so start by charging accordingly in the first place now, the benefit of doing that is, of course, you, you then have the financial flexibility to offer discounts, like I did back in the early days, offer a discount for certain people. So you might choose to have five people on your caseload that have a discounted rate, or you might choose to bulk bill one or two people on your caseload. Whatever works for you and your values, that's brilliant. Find room to do that, but you can only afford to do that if you're charging appropriately as a standard business policy. So what is the industry standard and what is it based on? So with Australian Psychological Society, um, I attended a workshop or a conference years ago and I've never forgotten this information because I think it's really important that people understand this. The APS rate of $260 a session is based on what it costs you to run a private practice and pay yourself a going salary. Most people don't understand that most private practitioners and most practice owners are not paying themselves industry standard salaries. 
people see these fees being charged and think that the clinician's just rolling in cash. They're really not. They're rolling in bills and they're not dollar bills. They're bills for, surf, for, for business costs. So when you think about it, if the APS is saying it costs $260 to pay you a salary and cover all your running expenses and, you know, have, have money aside for future unforeseen circumstances, why then do we place pressure on ourselves to charge less than that? And we do that because we have all that money baggage I talked about before and all the pressure to help people and all the de desires to be good and to be liked and to be a nice person. So let's not forget that we go into business because we want to help people, whether it's in the mental health professions or whether it's a florist or whether it's a bookkeeping service, whatever your business is, you, especially if you're a service-related business, you're in the business of helping people. So you've got that inner conflict of how do I help people and also pay myself a salary? How do I, how do I help people and also cover the costs of running my business? How do I how do I help people but also have money in reserve and, God forbid, perhaps even make a profit? It's like the dirty word. How dare you make a profit? Most businesses, when they're looking at profit, it's usually just in, on paper at the end of the financial year when the accountant's gone through the, the, all the numbers and said, well, you made a fantastic profit. That money's not sitting in the bank waiting for someone to go off and buy a Rolls Royce. It's already been spent on other things for the year ahead. So, when you think about what it costs to run a business, if you're starting your business from the very get-go now and you're trying to think about setting your fees, remember, don't undercut your colleagues. Remember what your industry standard is and why it's structured the way it is. Also think about what it does to your profession if you don't maintain a certain standard. So um, think about, I'm trying to steer away from mental health professions, but if we thought about... Um, a florist who's done training, who has trained other florists, who has years and years of experience, has a great reputation and so on. And imagine somebody who's um, never done floristry before, thinks it might be nice to, <laughs> me, thinks it might be nice to play with some flowers one day and then decides to buy a little flower cart and sell flowers. Now, um, if the florist tried to compete with me and lowered their price, what does that do to the standing of their reputation? What does that do to the perceived value of the skills, experience and training that they bring to their industry? So when we undercharge, we're not only directly undercutting our colleagues, we're also undervaluing the profession that we represent and the service and the, the work that we do. Now, um, you know, in, in the mental health professions, we've most of us have got many years of experience, many years of training um, and lots of qualifications. We're constantly required to maintain our professional development throughout our career as registered mental health professionals. Um, there are other labels that people can use that are not protected labels. So they could be... Um, uh, calling themselves a therapist. A therapist is not a protected title. And so anybody could decide tomorrow to become a therapist. So if we all start charging our rates at a lower rate to compete with those people, we're doing ourselves and our community a disservice. So I think the other thing to remember is you have an obligation. When you open your business, when you open the door to your community and say, I'm here, I'm here to help you, 
I'm going to be available. I'm going to see your therapy through to its completion. I'm going to be here for you for the long haul until you're better. That's a commitment you've made to your community the minute you open your doors. So if you undercharge from the outset, I want you to forget competition. Do not compete on price. It's dirty. It's grubby. It's not what we're about. We are professionals. We compete on value. Wrap your head around that one. So when we open our doors, we're making a commitment to our community that we're going to be here, that we're going to last the distance alongside our clients. We can't do that if we go broke and we can't do that if we burn out. So the risk of burnout to a lot of people who are undercharging is quite high because they have to see more people in a single day in order to cover all their costs. These are all the layers of what goes into thinking about your fees. This is why it's not just a dollar. It's not just about, well, I don't feel right charging that amount of money. You have to just get over that nonsense and charge your fee appropriately so that when you make the commitment to your community that you're going to be here, you can live up to that commitment. So when you tell your colleagues you're not going to undercut them and not going to undervalue the profession, you can live up to that commitment so that when you have too too much business, which is is definitely the case in some areas at the moment, um, you can afford to hire admin support to keep you afloat. You can afford to hire another clinician to help more people. So your single fee represents your longevity and that is really important for you to contemplate now when you take on staff when you take on that responsibility it adds to the stress loads it adds to the pressure unbelievably now look I did not always charge appropriately I have had some catastrophic experiences um, which I thankfully have been able to survive in business through a bit of luck a bit of planning and, and a bit of support Um, But there certainly have been periods of of my business life where I was undercharging and drowning. And by that stage, I had a large team. I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of financial obligations and people that I had to pay every fortnight. Now, what they didn't know at the time was, you know, in those days, I would do desperate things to make sure people got paid, including taking business loans in the past to make sure that staff got paid. Now, they didn't know that that was what I was doing, and they certainly don't know. I'm still paying those loans off today. You know, those loans from from days gone by when I was undercharging, they're still being paid off bit by bit, you know, with interest applied. Thanks for coming. So, you know, you're, you're, when you undercharge, you can set your future self up to have some burdens that you really wish you didn't have to have. So I definitely wish that I had charged more um, appropriately early on and made some, some big business policy decisions around fees and charges and how they were applied in the early days of my business. But it took me a while to figure that out. It took me a while to learn those lessons. So I'd really love to save you a bit of pain and, and say, really, cut to the chase pull the band-aid off and get those fees sorted out too sweet. It's okay to look around you and see what others are charging, but don't be influenced too much by what others are charging because for some, um, there will always be people who charge less than you for lots of different reasons. For some of them, it's because they're nearing retirement. They just have a, they don't, not really interested in raising their fees. They're doing okay until they finish off their clients. And so you're looking at this really, really experienced person going, oh, my God, they're only charging that much. How dare I charge more than them? Whereas they're looking at you going, fantastic, here comes someone who can take on on new referrals from me so I can damn well retire. 
So don't be too influenced by the people who are charging less than you. I want you, I want you thinking, I want you adopting a bit of a framework around gratitude around other people's fees. I heard a lovely quote, which was something along the lines of, um, you know, be grateful for the people who charge more than you because they show you what's possible. And be grateful for those who charge less than you because they push us to demonstrate our value. So our value is in the quality of the work we do. Our value is in how our clients and our referrers are treated when they contact us. Can referrers actually get through to you or do they have to leave a message and you get back to them eventually? Or can they get through to your admin team? Does the person always answer the phone when they ring so they don't have to leave a message? So the value that we provide is not just what goes on within the therapy room. It's the whole package and that costs money. Okay, so we need to charge appropriately. I want you also thinking about um, what is it that holds you back? What is it that really scares you about money? And if it's a worth thing, I have a lot of clients who are social workers and the training, um, you know, the background to social work is based on charity. And um, so there's a lot of philosophical stuff within the social work profession, for example, where there's um, results in those who are in private business struggle sometimes not all but some struggle with that money mindset stuff so it's really important to address that in your own mind and get some some good support and some good coaching around that stuff if that's what you need um have a think about reading there's a really good book um jen sincero's book called you're a badass at making money i recommend that to many of my clients it's got some activities in it um, to help you work through your money mindset nonsense so i really recommend that one now, I made myself some notes. I'm going to see if I can see what they are because I can't remember what else I wanted to talk about. Oh, my God, I can't see my notes. Never mind. Um, now I've lost everything. All right, doesn't matter. So bottom line, if you're not charging enough, you put extra pressure on yourself. This is not about ripping people off. So once you're thinking about abundance and scarcity, you are not a charity. You are not the saviour of the human race. Sorry to break that to you. You are not the one person that can help everybody in your community. You are only one person. Even if you're a practice owner with a lot of team, you are one person and your team is one team. You can only help a finite number of people in a private setting. Now, as mental health professionals, we're pretty good at understanding who is and who is not clinically suited to a private practice setting because in a private practice setting we're not a 24-hour wraparound emergency service we just can't provide that we can be part of a care team but we cannot provide that 24-hour wraparound service and yet financially we don't always think about this we don't always think about am I setting up my client to fail if I'm taking them on in a private practice setting knowing they have financial stresses would I not be doing them a better service to help them find an affordable service for them rather than keep them within a private practice setting they can't afford? So think about all of the ways you can help people. It's not just by charging less, getting back to that setting yourself on fire to keep other people warm thing. There will always be more than enough people who can and will and are happy to pay your fee, whatever you set it at. Um, but you need, to, you need to make sure your business stays open. You need to make sure you don't burn out. So fees are actually an important self-care conversation I want you to have with yourself. They're an important 
representation of the value you serve to your clients, not cheapness. It's not a race to the bottom of the barrel price-wise. So we all know that there are a lot of people in our community at the moment struggling financially and struggling with their mental health. We've never seen so much demand. It's not the role of private practice to meet all of that demand. The government is throwing, throwing money in very large numbers at mental health, but not the private sector. We've had some increase to what's available under Medicare in terms of number of rebates per year. But do you know what that results in? That results in fewer spots being available for private practice sessions because people don't get discharged as early as they might have otherwise been. So we can't take it on ourselves to be the charity, to be the, the, the financial solution to people's mental health needs. We have to give ourselves the difficult conversation, which is where do my values sit most? For some of you, it will actually be a decision around whether or not private practice is right for you. So my philosophy has always been around helping more people help more people. So I run a business that's sustainable it has become sustainable over the years uh, through a lot of trial and error. But I run a business that's sustainable so that I can look after my staff, so that my staff can help more people. I run my business coaching practice and I run that in a way that is sustainable so I don't burn out, so that I can help more practice owners, help more team members to help more people. So my philosophy is all about empowering all of you to be able to help more people. That does not include burning out because you're not charging enough money. That's the bottom line. So have a think. If you are starting out in private practice, I know a lot of you are starting out in private practice at the moment because the demand is so high. A lot of you are returning to private practice after a time away in, in other jobs. Again, the demand is so high. Um, be really honest with yourself about what's, what you're scared of with your fees give yourself a bit of talking to, um, jump onto my website. There's some free downloads that will help you. Um, there's a CEO mindset download. There's a slay your own bullshit download. So you can have grab those. They're for free. Um, and then if you're interested, I'm going to be, last year I was meant to run a CEO mindset training program. It was going to be an in-person workshop. <laughs> It got coveted. Um, so I'm going to, I'm in the process of looking at how I can convert that into a, um, an online course. I'm also going to be speaking on CEO mindset at the Elevate 2021 conference on the Gold Coast in September if you're coming. But if you'd like to be added to the wait list for my CEO mindset training, um, you can hit up my team either via the link that's in the description um, or send them an email at hello at tesscrawley.com.au and Jess and Josie will very happily add you to the waitlist for that training. A CEO mindset in a nutshell is, is the progression and the growth that you develop over time as a business owner, even if you're a business owner of one, so a solopreneur as a business owner, where you develop the skills and the understanding of the bigger picture and you are capable of stepping out of the day-to-day -day daily grind of running your business or working in your business and able to actually see the bigger picture and develop strategic goals, strategic policies and procedures 
that keep you moving towards that bigger picture vision that you've got, the reason you went into business in the first place, the dreams you have about what your business will bring to you, your family, your community. How do you strategically move towards those goals? So that's what having a CEO mindset is is like, or that's what it's about, and um, the training is all about helping you get there. It's going to be fun. I love it. It's the stuff that I really love to sink my teeth into. All righty. I hope you've all digested that. That was pretty meaty. Um, here in Melbourne, we had the announcement today that we were in another seven days lockdown at least. Uh, so maybe I'm thinking about these sorts of things because it was a question asked from outside of Victoria and I just wanted to take my mind off to somebody else's problems today. Um, so have a fabulous afternoon. Those of you here in Melbourne, um, well, Victoria-wide, but also especially here in Melbourne, um, it's... Uh, Tis what it is until it's something else, hey. <laughs> Alrighty, I will talk to you soon. Have a fabulous night. But I'm going to go light a fire and sit in front of the fire on my new couch. If you've not been following my Instagram stories, you won't know about my new couch, but there was a very funny video. I hope you've seen it. Talk to you soon. Bye.